0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Open your Bible to John chapter 11. We're going to be sharing today from John chapter 11 on the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. This is an amazing miracle. Now, there are 41 miracles of healing and mental illness that are recorded in the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus did, I believe there were literally hundreds and thousands when you, because John says if, if we would have written down everything, the world itself couldn't contain the books. There are three recorded people that are raised from the dead. In Luke chapter 7, that a widow had a son in name, and um, Jesus raised him from the dead. Basically, he was coming into town, and, and the funeral procession was leaving town, And Jesus stopped the funeral procession and basically ministered to the woman and spoke to the young man. And he raised from the dead. Jesus presented him alive to his mother. In Luke chapter 8, Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, came to Jesus and said, My daughter is very sick. She lies at the point of death. You can also read it, Matthew chapter 9 and Mark chapter 5. Would you come and heal her? And so as Jesus is on his way, there's a woman with an issue of blood. And she heard about Jesus. And she had spent all the money that she had. She wasn't any better, but rather grew worse. And and she said within herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I would be well. She's literally, I believe, crawled through the crowd and she kept on saying, if I could but touch him, If I could but touch him, if I could but touch him, I will be well. And when she touched him, Jesus felt the virtue. He felt the goodness of God. He felt the power of God flow from him. The love of God flow from him. And and he knew that it did. And, And so he looked around and said, who touched me? The disciples said, Lord, the multitude is thronging you. And you say, who touched me? And then he looked and saw the woman. He said, woman, cheer up your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. Some people arrived from Jairus's house and they said, listen, your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. And Jesus said, fear not, only believe. Jesus went on to the house. He said, listen, she's only asleep. They laughed him to scorn. You know the Bible says he that sits in heavens will laugh. But Jesus took the mother and the father, Peter, James, and John, and went in there. He, ministered to the young girl, and he said, Maid, I say to you, rise. And she got up, and she was healed. Praise God, she was raised from the dead. The second person, Jesus raised from the dead. The third person that's raised from the dead is Lazarus. Like I said, this may be one of the greatest miracles of Jesus' life here on earth, if not the greatest, other than the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the scripture says that many who were, who had died in Jerusalem, got up, the, the resurrection was so powerful. Got up and they were seen by people around there. So praise God, they knew something powerful happened. Praise God. But Lazarus, when, by the time Jesus got to Lazarus to minister to him, he had been dead for four days. You know, his sister said, by this time, Lord, he stinks. In other words, I mean you know what? His body had already begun to decompose. But, But Jesus said, take away the stone, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Now, Jesus raising people from the dead really was just an outflow, was a result of who he is. And he said in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection. Now, let's talk about spiritually speaking. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead. Did you know we were all spiritually dead because of Adam's transgression in the garden when he sinned? The the Bible says that by one man, in Romans chapter 5, sin and death came upon all men, for all have sinned. We all worked in sin. The Bible says in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus said, he who believes on me, though he were dead, we were all spiritually dead Because of Adam's sin. Not only were we born in sin, but we worked in sin. Right? But he said, he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So when you believe on Jesus, you are made spiritually alive. You are given eternal life. You receive the very nature of God. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead comes to live on the inside of every believer. Praise God. You are born again by the incorruptible seed, Peter says, of the word of God that lives and abides forever or that is living and abiding Praise God, so we have the same spirit as Jesus when we're born again. Ephesians says it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, you hath he quickened, you hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. So we're made alive. So Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he who lives and believes in me. So once you believe on Jesus, you're made alive, And as you continue to believe in Jesus, he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? If you don't, you need to. Praise the Lord. Now, let's get into the story here of Lazarus and his resurrection from the dead. Verse 1, John 11, verse 1, we'll read on down through verse 6. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sisters sent unto Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, him who you love is sick. Jesus heard that, and he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So the first thing is Jesus heard the report. And I'm sure the report wasn't good. They had to go, you know, 18 miles is a long journey in those days to give that message. But Jesus immediately, when he hears this report, speaks a word of life. You know, this is how faith works. God speaks a word of life into a dead situation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 verse 17 that God calls those things that be not as though they were. And he's really talking about, in that scripture in Romans chapter 4, Abram and Sarah, and how Abram was 99 years old and Sarah was ninety. And they had never had a child. And yet God came to Abram and said, your name's no longer going to be Abram. Your name's going to be Abraham. Your name's no longer going to be fatherly. Your name's going to be father of many nations. For a father of many nations have I made you. And so when God speaks that word, Abraham against hope, believed in hope. He believed that word that God said so that he might receive the promise. Praise God. God always And Jesus immediately, when this word of sickness and death is spoken, Jesus immediately counters it and says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. The glory of God is when the man gets healed. Just like in John chapter 9, it was the glory of God when the blind man got healed. That the Son of God may be glorified. So the first thing was he heard the report. The second thing was... He took a course of action. In verse 7, then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. His disciples said, Master, the Jews of late, the last few times we've been there, they sought to stone you. They want to kill us. They want to kill you specifically. And are you going to go again? You know, in other words, Jesus, don't tempt God. Jesus answered, aren't there 12 hours in a day if any man walk in the day he stumbles not? Because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles because there's no light in him. In other words, what Jesus is saying, we we don't have to travel in the day. We can travel at night. These things said he, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll do well. Now, this is just a natural thing. You know, if if you sleep well, it helps your body heal. So they're thinking naturally and they're just, they kind of have hope, you know, for, for the best. Howbeit, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. We're going to go. Basically, I'm planning on raising him from the dead. Then Thomas, who is called Didymus, he 's the twin, didymus means the twin unto his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him, man, every crowd has one. <laughs> every church has at least one. you know there 's always got to be somebody that wants to pour water on the fire there 's always got to be somebody now now think about this. Jesus prayed all night and handpicked twelve disciples, and he had Thomas is one, right? The doubter. So Jesus worked with all kinds of personalities, right? And he had Judas, the other one, who betrayed him. And if Jesus had that much trouble with only 12, how much trouble are you going to have if you got a few of them? We have about two dozen that work around here. So once in a while, there's a little trouble. Now, right now, we're doing really good. We have a really great staff, and thank God we're very, very thankful but, but, you know, there's always got to be one person like this, just absolute doubt, you know, unbelief, a challenging situation. But Jesus is not just looking out for himself. He's not just looking out for the 12. Jesus is thinking about his friends. He's thinking about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so they went on. It says in verse 17, When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had laid in the grave for four days already. So Jesus got there and began to assess the situation. Now, Bethany was near to Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, this was essentially grief, right? Thinking about, you know, grief is an overwhelming sense of loss. Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. This wouldn't have happened. Not only did she say this, but if you read verse 32, Mary said the same thing when she came to Jesus. So this grief had kind of taken over. Their, their home and the situation. She goes on in verse 22, she's doing as much as she can to speak, you know, words of faith. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, verse 22, but I know that even now, whatever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know there's hope. Now, that's something that we never need to lose hope of and we never need to lose sight of is that we always have hope in eternity. And you know what? The only thing really that's final is the second death. And the Bible talks about the second death. The second death is after the great white throne judgment where sinners are judged and they're judged for their works apart from Christ and everyone there is cast into the lake of fire that burns with brimstone forever. That's in Revelation 20 verse 15. That's the only thing that's final. But but in this case, you know, as a believer, if you die, where are you going? You're going to heaven. You're going to live forever in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. And so death for a believer is not something that we have to grieve about, that we have to sorrow about. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we believe that those who have died, God will bring with Jesus when, when Jesus comes again. And it says the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He says in verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. We don't have to be like unbelievers who have no hope. Thank God we have hope in the resurrection. We have hope that goes beyond this life. We have hope that goes beyond the grave. I thank God that I got a hold of the gospel at a young age. You know, when I was only 17 years old, my father went home to be with Jesus. I was a senior in high school. On a Thursday night, it was the first part of the year in September, my dad asked me on Thursday night if I'd stay home on Friday and help him irrigate up wheat seed. And I said, well, Dad, you know, I'm in all these hard classes. I got all these hard tests. They were going to be on Friday, and and I need to go to school and take my test. He said, oh, just go ahead and go. Friday morning, I remember so vividly in my mind, the Holy Spirit woke me up, said, you stay home and you'll be with your dad today. So I said, yes, sir. I went and told my dad, I'm gonna be with you. He said, no, go ahead. I said, no, I'm gonna be with you. We spent the whole day together. We were irrigating up seed. We were in the field almost, you know, we were probably together 14 hours that day. And, uh, you know, we were maybe 12, but we were together a lot. And my dad told me how much he appreciated me. He told me, you know, and my dad wasn't a guy that handed out thanks. My dad told me that he's like, the last two years of your mother and I's marriage have been the best years of our life. And a lot of it's due. You've worked hard. Thank you so much. And my, my dad just wasn't, he didn't hand out that. He told you, you know, get with it right now. Get, <laughs> you know, but he didn't hand out a lot of thanks. And so we actually had a very good day. That evening, my mother had come home from, teaching school. We were in the field a couple hundred yards south of our house, and she came down in the field. The sun was going down. She said, what do do you want me to do? And my dad said, why don't you go to the house and cook supper? And he said, Lawson, you go finish this set, irrigating set, and then go shut off the water. I had some cows that needed water. They were up the road about a mile from our house. We had to haul water to them. And so he said, "I'll, I'll go haul water to your cows and and mom, you go cook supper, and Lawson, you finish the set and then go shut the water off. So I, I went and shut the water off. Mom went and cooked supper. And then I went home. Dad didn't get back. So a lot of times he stopped at the neighbors and drank coffee and shot the breeze with him. So we just went ahead and ate, and then he still wasn't there, so we called the neighbors. They said, no, he's not here. So my mother and I went and we found my father. And and he was, you know, driving a tractor. He had this, he got it out of, out of gear. And it was sitting there. The throttle was pulled completely, you know, all the way over. But my dad was sitting on that tractor in perfect peace. And my dad had a seizure, and it cut off his air, and he went to be with Jesus. Now, my mother had been praying Psalm 91 over our family for months and months, every day. And my dad told my mother two weeks before that, he said, listen, I am tired of fighting. I am ready to go be with Jesus. Now, your will is a very powerful thing. And you need to understand, if you set your will to die, it's going to be really hard to overcome that. And so my mother said, after my dad told her that, she could not pray Psalm 91 over our family for those last two weeks. But we went and we found my dad sitting in perfect peace. My mother said, shall we raise him from the dead? I said, mama, daddy has went home to be with Jesus. Daddy is in heaven. You know, and I had that absolute confidence at 17 years old of where my father was. Praise God. And as believers, we have this hope in the resurrection. We have this hope that goes beyond the grave. And we're not like to be like unbelievers who have no hope. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, if we don't have this hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But I have that hope as a 17-year-old child that if I die, and if you would have looked at my dad, he was 40 years old. He would look healthier and stronger than I am standing before you today. But my dad went home to be with Jesus. Because he said his will that way. You better watch how you set your will. If you want to live and not die, you better agree with what the scripture says. And so Jesus speaks to her and says, I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said unto him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ the Son of God, who would come into the world. And when she said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calls for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus was not yet come into town, but it was in that place where Martha met him. And the Jews which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, and she rose up hastily and went out and followed her, saying, She goes to the grave to weep there. She's going to the grave. Then Mary was come to Jesus where he was. She saw him and fell down at his feet. She worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you had been here, the same thing. My brother would not have died. Again, this grief had kind of started to take over the situation, this sense of loss. But Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping and the Jews, which were with her, and he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, when I read that, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. I thought, is this talking about what Romans eight twenty six says, talking about he that prays in you know in a in an unknown line? But it's not actually talking about that same thing. It says in verse thirty eight the same Greek word is used again. He groaned in himself when he came to the grave. It was a cave in a stone land. This word for groan in the in the Greek it means he he made an angry snort. In other words, he was grieved with the situation. He was grieved. More than likely, he got mad at the devil. You know, sometimes you just need to get mad at the devil. Praise God. You know, the Bible actually says in Ephesians chapter 4, it's about verse 26 and 27, it says, Be angry and sin not, neither let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, the only way that you can be angry and not sin is you got to direct your anger at the devil. Praise God. And you need to know that the devil is the author of sickness. The devil is the author of disease. The devil, devil is the author of anxiety. The devil is the author of lack. And the devil is the author of death. And when you understand that, you can get mad at the devil. In fact, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on you. You can be mad at the devil 100% of the time. Praise God. Just a few weeks ago, Herb Carter, who's sitting here on the front of the front row, was back in prayer, you know, just before the service. And Herb dismissed himself for a little bit. They ran and got me. It was in between services, and I ran in there. and Praise God. Everybody was around praying, and I threw my hands on his chest, and I commanded his heart to function, and I commanded his, you know, commanded his blood to flow. And praise God, Herb's eyes rolled back in his head and he sat back up, praise God. And, and I asked Judith. she said, yeah, I think we need to take him and have some tests. So when I this was in between services. So in 1030 service, I was here in worship and I got mad at the devil. And I started telling the devil some things, praise God. And I started saying some things with my mouth. And I said, they're not gonna find anything wrong with him. Praise God. He's not gonna be long in the hospital He's going to be healthy. He's going to be whole. He's going to be strong. He's going to be well. I understood. See, I, he was white as a sheet, sweating bullets. I knew he was in cardiac rest when I went there. So I, I started speaking those words out of my mouth. Praise God. In the afternoon, we went home right after church. I went down to see him at Penrose Hospital. He was still in the emergency room. Praise God. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. They kept him all night, and they did tests all night, and they couldn't find anything wrong with him. Praise God, they they put a harness on him and had him wear a harness for two weeks and check out his heart, and they can't find anything wrong with him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm glad the Word of God still works. Amen. But sometimes you need to get mad at the devil. You see, your problem isn't your husband. Your problem isn't your wife. Your problem isn't your children. Your problem isn't your parents. Your problem isn't your boss. And for sure, your problem is not your pastor. <laughs> I know some people think that I'm their problem, but I'm really not. I might be Barbara's problem, but I'm not your problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, she's shaking her head at me. Praise God, she's been working on me a long time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bobby Jeremy Merck prophesied over me long ago and she said that Barbara had sacrificed not to raise just three boys but four, and I believe that's the truth. Praise God. She said, I've been teaching you a long time, and you still haven't quite got it. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm learning. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to get there. I was uh, actually tickled with Herb and Judith. (laughs) Because while Herb had his harness on, he wasn't supposed to drive. And Judith was driving one day, and Herb was giving her a hard time. And so, Judith stopped the car and said, Herb, do you want to (laughs) drive? That reminded me of me. I thought, hallelujah. Praise God. Maybe there's still hope for me. Glory to God. Amen. Jesus is so good to us. How many of you are glad that he's good? How many, but, but see, you need to get mad, but you need to direct your anger. Praise God. You need to direct your anger at the devil because it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. But I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. I've come to give you a good, healthy, strong, blessed life. And the blessed life is in Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you direct your anger at the devil and speak the word, praise God, and believe God for the answer. So Jesus comes on this situation and he gets a little bit upset. He, it says in the next verse, as he groaned in himself, he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And it says, Jesus wept. Now, why was he weeping? Well, one, one reason, probably he's friends with Lazarus. His friend has died, Right? He's friends with Martha and Mary. Their their brother has died. So I'm sure the humanity is part of this. It may be that he was weeping because of the unbelief and the different challenges that he was seeing in the situation. Then the Jews said, Behold, how he loved him. And some some of them said, Could not this man, they were kind of along the line with Martha and Mary, who opened the eyes of the blind, have caused even this man that he should not have died. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, came to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay on it. And so he began then to demonstrate his faith, and he said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks. In other words, his body has begun to decompose. It's very challenging in the natural. Like I said, this may be one of the greatest miracles and I don't want to take anything away from any of the rest of them that Jesus has ever done. For he's been dead four days. And Jesus said, said to her, said I not to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Now, when somebody is raised from the dead, Oral Roberts, Lester Sumrall, Smith Wigglesworth, Kenneth e. Egan, all taught this. When somebody is raised from the dead, there is a combination of the operation of the working of miracles and of the gift of faith. And so, when you see the power gifts manifested, which are the working of the, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healing, with the power gifts, there is a manifestation of the glory of God. And Jesus said, If you believe, you're gonna see the glory of God. You're gonna see the power of God, the presence of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where. Lazarus was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. How many of you are glad that God hears us when we pray? Now, I believe when Jesus said this, this is one of the most powerful ways to pray. I believe that thanksgiving is one of the most powerful ways that we can pray. The Bible actually says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. One of the the most powerful ways that you can pray is... That you can thank God. Be careful. Don't worry about anything but anything by prayer, right? Pray about it. And supplication, ask God about it with thanksgiving. In other words, at the same time you're praying, you ought to be thanking God. So if you want your prayers to be effective, I believe you can sandwich your supplications in between thanksgiving and it'll make your supplications just asking God more effective. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 says, I exhort first of all that prayers, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Right? For kings and for all who are in authority. What's he saying? All kinds of prayers. Supplications, just asking of God. Giving thanks. Thanksgiving is is a form of praying. I believe it's one of the most powerful ways that you can pray and intercessions. Intercession simply means to go to God on the behalf of someone else. He says, "Let him be made for all men. Praise God for kings and all who are in authority." Praise God. So so we need to be praying and I believe a powerful one powerful way to pray is thanksgiving. And I believe that one way that faith is released is through prayer. Jesus taught a parable in Luke chapter 18 that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And he said, When the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith on the earth? Now, I believe what he's saying is if you're a person of faith, you're a person of prayer. Now, now not all prayers are prayers of faith, right? But but all people of faith pray. And if you're a person of faith, I believe that you'll pray. Now, Jesus as a whole, he prayed very short in public, but he prayed very long in private. In fact, there's a number of times that the scripture records that Jesus went out and prayed all night to God. But when it came to public praying, he just, he, he prayed fairly, fairly briefly. And so he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and, you, and I know that you hear me always. But because of the people which are standing by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. So we need to pray and when we need pray, we need to pray in faith. I love what 1 John chapter 5 says in verse 14 and verse 15. It says, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. Now, how do you know the will of God? First and foremost, you know the will of God from what the word of God says. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Praise God. So we have confidence in our relationship with God. We have confidence in this love relationship with Jesus, right? If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Praise God. Thank God. Amen. God hears our prayers and he answers. And we have, so one way that prayer is released or faith is released is in our prayer. Another way that faith is released, right, is through the words that we speak. And after Jesus prays in, in John 11 here, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. It was a command of faith. In fact, every person that Jesus raised from the dead in Luke chapter 7, when he spoke to the, the son of the widow who was being carried out in a funeral procession, he said, young man, I say to you, arise. In Luke chapter 8, when he went to Jairus's R- house, if you read it in Mark chapter 5, he put everybody out, but the mother and the father, Peter, James, and John, just took those who were closest, those people who would believe with him. And he says, made I say to you, arise. Jesus spoke to them. He spoke the word. And when he spoke the word, amen, things happen. That's how faith works. That's how faith is released. In fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to verse 24, have faith in God. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things, no, what did he say? He he says this in verse 23, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, he goes on to say, Therefore, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, I remember Andrew Womack years ago when we had Bible studies, and he still prayed for people. Most of the time now, he has different people that pray for people, but then he would pray for almost everybody himself, and he'd have people come up, come up here, Javier, and say, Javier, had a headache. Hang your head down like you got a headache. You're feeling bad, and he'd pray for him and say, now, are you healed? They say, well, I don't know, and then he'd hit him on the head like that, and they would say, oh, I'm healed. Praise God. <laughs> I'm not. Hallelujah. You're healed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Praise God. But but he, he would have to get them out of They, they were so accustomed, right, to be in that sick mode that he had to break them out of that unbelief. In fact, I had him one day. He called this lady and she came up for prayer. He gave a word of knowledge. She came up for prayer. And, and he said, Do you believe that when we pray, according to Mark eleven twenty four, 24, that you're going to be healed? Whatever he was praying. And she answered this word of knowledge. She said, well, I don't know. He said, go sit down then and don't waste my time. (laughs) No, most people would think that he was mean. But see, what he was trying to do was get them out of a place really of unbelief and get them into a place of faith. And a lot of times when you pray, pray, you know, we're not trying to lay empty hands on empty heads. We need people to join their faith, right? Join their faith so we can get something done. So Jesus cries with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I really believe, you know, that I I personally believe that the gift of faith was in operation with the working of miracles and Lazarus came forth. In fact, I believe there's four different kinds of faith. First of all, there's natural faith. When a farmer plants a field, he believes he's going to have a harvest. So there's natural faith, right? Then there's saving faith. When a person hears the word of God and believes it, For salvation, right, God gives you the faith to be saved, right? Then there is the fruit of faith. As a born-again believer, the fruit of the Spirit is faith. In 2 Thessalonians, I believe it's chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, I give thanks for you that your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds. So that's talking about a fruit. Now, it's not like you don't have faith, right? Right? It's like a baby when it's born. A baby has every muscle in its body that it will ever use. But if it's going to move forward in certain areas, those muscles have to be developed. Well, in the realm of faith, you have the faith of Jesus. You have the fruit of faith, but you have to develop your faith. So there's natural faith, there's saving faith, there's the fruit of faith, but there's also the gift of faith. And it's a supernatural operation of faith where God gives you faith to believe beyond your natural faith. It's like a gift that takes over. And and you know what? The gifts are not about your maturity. The gifts are not about your goodness. The gifts are just exactly what they are. They're gifts. And God, the Holy Spirit, gives gifts to people. And so I believe Jesus operates in this gift of faith. Lazarus comes forth. He that was dead, it says in verse 44, came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with an. Ab-. So, can you see? Lazarus, all wrapped up in, looks like he's wrapped up in gauze, like strips of sheets. And he comes out, his face is still bound in an napkin, ab- and Jesus says, Loose him and let him go. Praise God, freedom. Hallelujah. That was a good day in Lazarus' life. Amen. So, we see this progress. And we see it progress. Then finally, once this manifestation of the power of God, Lazarus is raised from the dead, then they had to deal with the results. And the results are different than you may think. Notice what it says in verse 45. Then many of the Jews who came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. There were a lot of people who believed. However, some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief of priests of the Pharisees' council and said, What shall we do? For this man does many miracles. What are we going to do? If we leave him alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They were really worried about the Romans come because they were under Roman occupation right they, they were really worried about the Romans coming taking away their place Jesus is getting more disciples than us if we leave them alone everybody's going to believe on him we're not going to have anything so fear really was their response and then one of them named Caiaphas being the high priest that same year said unto them you don't know anything at all nor, nor consider it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people that the whole nation perish not. This he spoke not of himself, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Listen, even, even in that, that, there's enough of the Holy Spirit On this man that he's prophesying of what Jesus was ultimately going to do. And not for the nation only, but he also would gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Not only Jews, but Gentiles. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, walked no more openly among the Jews, but went into a country near into the wilderness to a city called Ephraim. It's about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. And continued there with his disciples. The Jews' Passover was near at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And they sought for Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple and said, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given commandment that if any man knew where he was, they would show it that they might take him. So there were really two results. Of this miracle. One was there were many people who believed on him. But the other one was the religious people acted in fear because they were worried about their position, worried about losing what they had. And so as we look through this, you know, I see a number of things, but primarily I see how, first of all, Jesus responded. He speaks a word in the situation and he's operating in absolute faith in the situation. But then I see how a number of other people respond. First of all, his disciples. His disciples like, Lord, we know if he sleeps, he's going to do well. They're hoping for the best. That, that's not really spiritual hope. That's just they're hoping for the best. They're trying to be good, right? And then we have Thomas. And like I said, you usually have about one Thomas in every crowd. I'm not going to believe unless I see And right here. He just, he just says, let's go die with him. You know, they weren't very excited about going to Judea because every time they went there recently, the Jews were talking about stoning Jesus. And we have Mary and Martha, and and, and they are believers. But many times, believers, we can still be grieving over something that's happened and, and, and have an overwhelming sense of loss. And if you're going to move into what God has for you, you got to move out of that grief and move into faith. And then... You know, finally, we have these religious leaders that are just operating in fear. So we have from unbelief, fear, hope, right? Grief to just absolute faith. But Jesus speaks a word of life, raises Lazarus from the dead, amen? And there's really two results. Some people believe, some people operate in faith, and some people operate in fear. So what's your response to Jesus? Amen? Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he is? Amen? And if you believe who Jesus is who he says he is, amen, you can have what Jesus says he'll do. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.